Hi, this is AJ Bingham, and I want to take a moment to thank our sponsor, Regions Financial Corporation. Regions is a different kind of bank, with branches serving Central Texas from Austin to San Antonio and the Rio Grande Valley. Regions can assist your firm with its M&A and investment banking needs, as well as specialty finance in the technology, healthcare, defense, and aerospace sectors. Learn more about Regions at www.regions.com, and you can find more information in the episode notes. Now on the show. Welcome to the BG Podcast, conversations at the intersection of business, community, and public policy from the Austin metro and around Texas. You can find this episode and prior recordings at www.binghamgp.com slash podcast and on iTunes and Google Play. Hi, this is AJ Bingham, CEO of Bingham Group, and our guest today is Mayor Pro Tem Delia Garza of District 2. Welcome to the show. Thank Mayor you. Pro Tem. Thanks for having me. Um, so for those who don't know, uh, what does Mayor Pro Tem mean? Because I mean, you're, oh, sure. you're a council member, uh-huh. um, and you're Mayor Pro Tem and known around City Hall as MPT. Mm-hmm. What does that mean? Um, I, you know, it's it's kind of cool. It's the one thing that your colleagues all vote on. So you know, we don't vote on mayor. We don't vote on our, on, on on who represents districts, the different districts. But um, it is basically vice mayor. So mm-hmm. when the mayor is off the uh, dais or if he's out of town, the mayor pro tem steps up and chairs the meeting. Um, it's a little bit of more um, appearances. <laughs> if the mayor can't attend, um, you know, I'm asked to go um, different. I've been asked to go on different trips that he's not able to attend. I actually haven't attended any of those. But um, if he's not available, I can step into ribbon cuttings and that kind of thing. But it's, um, you know, it's a it's an honor that, that you uh, have colleagues that believe that, you know, you are ready for that leadership position. And um, I think a lot of times it's it's maybe the next step for mayor. Yeah. People have asked that. that yeah, I'll sure. get that out of the way <laughs> now. Um, I I have no intentions of running for mayor. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so, uh, but it was um, I was grateful that I was approached by colleagues and asked to 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 um, to seek that position and, and grateful that it was I believe a unanimous vote by the council. And you're also the this is my fact point off. You're also yeah. the first Latina to ever elected to city Austin City Council. That is correct? that is right and it's actually pretty sad. <laughs> it yeah, should be embarrassing yeah. for our city frankly, but uh, you know there were many Latinas that had tried before uh Bella Cavazos, uh, Gloria Pennington, Elisa May, um, but it was a different system. Uh, you know, my a lot of my early work in city council politics before I was a council member was changing the system to the 101 system because it was incredibly hard for people of color and women and uh, people that weren't wealthy or well connected to be on the city council when it was all at large. And so um, I think moving to the district system, we have a significantly more diverse. We've elected our youngest council member. Uh, right now, we still have our female majority. The first female, mm-hmm. female majority was with the first 10-1 council. Uh, right now, we have our uh, first openly male, gay male uh, council member in, in Councilmember Flanagan. Flanagan. Yes, the poor, uh, uh, favorite of the show. Yeah. <laughs> um, and I was the first Latina that uh, was elected. And, you know, with the city that has um, almost, a, almost a 40%, we're about 30% Latinx in, in Austin. Um, that's unfortunate, mm-hmm. but it's I, I'm grateful that we're moving in the in the right direction. Yeah, well, it showed just the the kind of what the representative what the ten one system could achieve. Right? Yeah, I mean, exactly. That, I mean, the desire been there for a long time. I know yeah. members like Councilmember Renteria did a lot of work on that as well, and yeah, if all I got through, and you see what we have today, I think yeah, for the better of our city. 
touching on that though, so can you get a little bit of your background leading into sure. your, uh, I mean, your, your run for your first run for council because you you're on your second term, uh-huh. right, right yes. now. Yeah. Um, so I guess my my real role beginnings into Austin city politics was an, as an Austin firefighter. Um, and then people often ask, oh, wow, you know, why, why that? Uh, my dad was a firefighter. Uh, I grew up in San Antonio. My dad was a San Antonio firefighter. He eventually promoted to be a, a district chief and the fire marshal of San Antonio. Um, so he was my inspiration when I um, graduated from Texas A&M University. Whoop. I know that's not popular that's here. That's for sure. We, we, we office with a bunch of Aggies. So oh, really? Okay. They'll, they'll love it. They're okay. all I moved to Austin. I had a bunch of friends at UT. I loved coming here. I loved visiting. Um, I considered myself an Austinite for 20 years now. But um, I moved here. I applied to the Austin Fire Department. I didn't get in the first time, got in the second time. Um, got right after probation, got every firefighter's on probation for, I believe, the first six months. Um, got involved in our union. My father was involved in his union, um, and I knew it was important to be part of that organization and to be able to advocate for um, safer working conditions and and better pay for our public safety workers. And um, that's how I got involved in city politics. I was on the bargaining team when we would negotiate our contract with the city. I believe I was on two bargaining teams. I was the first woman to chair the political action committee for the firefighters. I was a firefighter when we petitioned to get um, collective bargaining rights. That was my first petition drive. Um, I've always said it's one of the most humbling experiences when you're doing a petition because people, they're trying to avoid you. Mm-hmm. <laughs> they don't want to sign your petition. But you know, I, I, as soon as I would say, uh, I'm an Austin firefighter, we're trying to get better protections. It was That, that petition was probably one of the easiest uh, petitions I've ever volunteered for. And we, it, we got it on the ballot, and we won collective bargaining rights. And so, um, and then, you know, after that, it was a tough decision. I loved being a firefighter. I loved the job. I loved the people that I worked with. But I'd always had this dream of becoming an attorney. Um, didn't have, I had one cousin that had been an attorney. I don't come from a family of, you know, wealthy people or attorneys and doctors or anything like that. And um, knew that I was going to be putting myself through law school was, was a tough decision, but decided I had to follow that dream mm-hmm. and uh, left the fire department to go to law school. Of course, kept all my connections here in Austin. I went to law school at Gonzaga in Washington State. And uh, I came back a little early, clerked at the Texas Civil Rights Project. During that time, I was appointed to the Charter Revision Committee by then council member. I think he was council member then. I don't know if he was mayor pro tem yet. Um, Mike Martinez. He uh, appointed me um, to the Charter Revision Committee that was re-examining whether they should try to put another um, geographic representation (laughs) initiative on the the ballot because we would be changing the charter. And um, I agreed to be on that and, and, you know, really just got a little bit mad (laughs) about Austin politics where we are often said to... It's often said we're a very progressive city. I uh-huh. have I have found that in many ways we're not, and you know I guess it's all relative, right? I would say we're we're more progressive than rural Texas, uh, but yeah, but we well, have a long way to relative go. Relative to your experience too, and I um, yeah. you know, I grew up here just as a you know African American city. Yeah. It's it was like when I went, I went to college in North Carolina, Wake Forest. My family is uh-huh. all from North Carolina, from the South, and so when I went from Austin to Winston Salem, my parents were like, well. Winston-Salem isn't like Austin. Yeah. Fair enough. Yeah. It's, it's relative. Yeah. 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 Totally. Totally relative. Um, and, 
It, it's interesting. A lot of the battles here in Austin are progressives fighting progressives. Mm -hmm. <laughs> um, and that's what the issue was when it came to geographic representation. There were two initiatives on the ballot. It was the 821 and the 10 one. And just got really involved in that fight yeah. for 10 one. And these were what she's referring to, for those who don't know who weren't around then, it's just the whether we should have 10 separate council districts and one, elect, or one elected official citywide, that being mayor, or have a system where you have a, a set of Eight districts, eight districts, eight districts, and then two, two at large. At large. Uh -huh. um, and the ten one um, prevailed, and off, yeah. and off we've been. And still, yeah. it's interesting because it, you know, it's it's such it's still such a new mm -hmm. system. I think we're you know it's we're not in our maturity yet. I mean, yeah. I think uh, we have a ways to go, but it's been interesting to see it develop and see members like yourself who were there from the onset. Yeah. And mature in these roles, relatively mature in these roles, and yeah. as we tackle greater issues, which kind of this topic we show today about sure. the, the land development, uh, land uh -huh. development uh, code, uh, the new attempt at the revision on that, and particularly uh, just the the role. There's a group, new group that started about a week or about two weeks ago, mm -hmm. announced mm -hmm. called the planning or planning our communities or POC, mm -hmm. and um, I know you and a few, a few of your fellow members. Council members came out just in support of that. And mm -hmm. I know I don't think y'all are directly involved, mm -hmm. but I know that a lot of things y'all have done in, in the, during the prior attempt at land development code. I'm not going to mention that name. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but because yeah, I got I got PTSD. I've gotten hands but she talked yeah. about that. I'll leave it alone. Yeah. But just the work you did, and was, you're all, you were involved in a group called uh, For For All Austinites, mm -hmm. and one one just get a sense of uh, the work you did there and what you see going on with planning our communities mm -hmm. and where they can go. Sure. Well, I think it's, you know it's a perfect segue from ten one to this conversation, as as you said, because I think. 10-1 has changed the conversation on, on the revision of the land development code because when we had a at-large council system, um, there really were like about, I don't know, five to six zip codes that, that really controlled the council. It's called West Off, Central yeah. West Off. Yeah. And in fact, I, you know, I've often told this story, and I actually told it during Citizens Communication a long time ago uh, when we were trying to get 10-1 on the ballot. And I'd gone to a meeting in a Central Austin um, a neighborhood meeting. I was on the... Uh, this was before I was a council member pushing 10-1. And I got up and I was advocating for 10-1 and why it was a good thing and why it would um, provide voices to parts of Austin that didn't have a voice. And there, I, there was a gentleman there that, that stood up and said, it, was, it would be stupid for us to support 10-1. We have all the power. Why would we let that go? And it was so telling of the, situ the current situation um, with regard to any issue on the city council, but particularly one as important as land development code. And for a long time, districts like mine didn't have a voice. Um, and what, just for those, again, who don't know, sure. where are the, the, G the general geographic boundaries of D2? Uh, District 2 is most, mostly east of 35, south of Ben White. There is a portion of my district that goes in onto the, into the west. Mm -hmm. So generally south of Stastny on the uh, west side of 35, down to Slaughter. Um, and then south of Slaughter is actually Councilmember Kitchens. She has this weird, um, this kind of... Um, it, it kind of goes under my district and grabs yeah. a, a wealthy, there's this one kind of wealthy enclave that, that um, really should not be part of my district. Yeah. Um, they, they wanted to keep uh, communities that were like each other together. That was, was it Onion the, Creek, which one is it? Uh, Onion Creek, yeah. yeah. And so it grabs Onion Creek and that's why. But generally south of, St between Stastny and Slaughter um, and then east of 35, south of 71. So the airport's in my district, Circuit Americas is in my district. One of the most known neighborhoods is um, 
D- the Dutch Springs neighborhood. Yeah, mm-hmm. gotcha. And so, yeah, coming back to this, oh, the LDC, yeah, yeah, yeah sure. Road, but coming back to the PLC so, and, the, and the LDC. Yeah, so, you know, people in, in, in my district and, you know, I would say even East Austin and other parts, any, anywhere that wasn't Central or West Austin really weren't um, in tune to the, the Land Development Code and, and how it affects us. And, and so I think 101 has been a great step in that. And so part of Austin, Austin what was it? What was our all, all Austinites? It was for all, for, for all Austinites. For all Austinites, that's right. Um, it was to bring those voices of those districts. So it was districts uh, uh, three, four, mine, and Jimmy's, which is six. six. So, and you know, we were kind of the, his is the far northwest, mine's the far southeast, and then uh, Greg's is also a predominantly Hispanic district, as is Pia's. Yeah, Councilman Casar. Um, and and Pia and Councilman Antheria, who's most of East Austin. And it was just to bring a what I thought was a different perspective. I feel like, and this, you know, we can. This is a conversation for the for the um, the POC group as well. You're often put in these camps. You're either when it comes to land development, are you what many refer to as the NIMBY camp or as the urbanist camp? Not and in my backyard. Not not in my backyard, NIMBY or um, the urbanist camp, which is, um, you know, we're we're all gonna. No, no offense to, to urbanists; they're great people. But you know, we're all going to ride our bikes to the coffee shop and no parking and spaces, no parking, and, and yeah, yeah, yes, ex- extremely dense. And I, I found, and many of my colleagues that were in that four uh, found we we don't feel like we belong in either one of those groups because obviously a complete community is 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 what everybody wants. Um, but at the same time, it will be a, a long. It will be, I don't know. I, I can't imagine an Austin night where everybody's giving up their car and you know riding their bikes. And, no. and so, so there's there's there is a middle ground in there, and and I think we we're, we're able to create this group that really believed in um, pushing affordability and sustainability, um, protecting our environment, and that we could really do all those things. And we didn't felt we didn't feel like we felt in either one of those camps. Mm-hmm. And. And you know, during this time, that that old process, we will be approached by people of color, um, say, feel, feeling the same way. And many of those are the people that started the POC group. You know, asking how can I get involved? Um, I feel like there's this missing group, and you know, it's nice to see that because it's always great to have new voices and new faces. And so, um, you know, we it, it was it was great to be part of, of of seeing the beginning of this group start and being invited to meetings and learning what their concerns were and learning how they aligned with our concerns as well and and seeing that um, there can be that that middle that middle space that understands that um, it is important to have density. Obviously, we we need that to have a true, robust, um, efficient transit system. But at the same time, um, we need to dial down some things that could hurt that could that that could exacerbate displacement and gentrification we can't talk about the land development code without talking about the 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 effects of of um of increasing uh density in, in some places yeah and it's interesting like just uh this is object objectively i'm not involved in these groups but we look at and it probably applies to just kind of the general any a lot of the civic groups in austin i mean it's you're hard pressed to find a lot of concentration of diversity. I think yeah. you know, being people of color, mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. you see, you know, it's, it's spread out, right? Yeah. And then so I I saw I didn't attend the the launch party for POC, but I mm-hmm. saw some of the photos afterwards and some of the comments and mm-hmm. stuff from you know staff that city staff that attended and just other people you know peers in the community and 
it was really I saw the excitement. I read the excitement just from seeing kind of that many people who are civically engaged, focused on um, on land use, right? Mm-hmm. And that's not something. I mean, typically you see that in other. You see a lot more in the racial disparity equity space. Yeah, I think we have that totally covered. Mm-hmm. But this part, which is, I mean, it, t- it ties into that. I think a lot more people realize mm-hmm. and they're realizing now. Yeah. Right? But that was exciting to see this group, especially that kind of generational group of folks really involved yeah. in it too. Absolutely. Some yeah. very known quantities. Like Jose. Yeah. <laughs> so yeah. some known quantities. And you know, what do you, just with what this group's doing and then you know, as much as it ties into your prior work with For All Austinites, sure. what are you hoping to see in terms of affecting the, the land, co- I mean, the LDC? Well, I, you know, I, I think that... Um, like as you mentioned, the the uh, diversity has not been in any of the groups that we see mostly in front of council when it comes to these issues. And so, when you think of the demographics of Austin, um, my my hope is is that this group will reflect that. Um, and 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 it looks like it is. It really mm-hmm. does look like that. It's reflecting. It's like you said. There's. Um, Latinx community, African American community, Asian American community, young uh, young folks, people that uh, Native Austinites, our, our friend, our friend in common, Jose, um, and I, I think that you know the, the, this issue has become very polarized, and as many issues are, as many political issues are, and so what I hope that this will bring some reasonable thoughts and, and practical thoughts and workable thoughts that that will. Um, will help with the message that we have to change something. We we can't keep this we can't keep doing the same thing. Every time I hear I go to a meeting, I just had one in my district on Tuesday, Monday night or Tuesday night. I think it was was it two, it was Tuesday night. Um, no, because yesterday it was Tuesday. <laughs> it was Monday night. It's lying. <laughs> this week yes, is going back. Yeah. <laughs> uh, it was Monday night. Um, and people are upset and every everything they f- they seem to say they fear with the new code is actually what's happening now, and what I hope in terms of it's already happening in the city. Yes, you yeah. know they're, they're, they've they said you know uh, housing prices are going up. My neighbor was moved away. They live in you know Kyle now because they couldn't afford to live here, and I always try to bring them, bring them back and say that's happening now. And so if we change nothing, that's going to continue. And I can't. I can't not change nothing. We have to change something. Mm-hmm. So I hope that you know this uh, plan in our communities group can bring a, a more practical and reasonable messaging to this um, that we have to change the land development code. Uh, we are a growing city. Um, often when I'm in meetings and I say you know we're the 11th largest city, and people their first their eyes kind of get big and say you mean in Texas or something like that and mm-hmm. like no in the United States it's a big surprise to many people even and it's not even necessarily native Austinites it's it's anybody who who's you know didn't realize Austin is growing that fast and so in order to to we have to plan for that growth and I know that 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 often is a is a difficult thing for people who have been here a long time and the first thing that is often said is well, we don't, you know, we don't care about, what about us? You know, we've been here for a long time. Mm-hmm. And there is, the, I don't know, there's a connection between people coming and people that are here. And that is, if we don't plan for the people coming, they're going to displace the people that are here. And so we have to do both. And I hope that this new land development code, and, and, and you know, another thing I have to add is this is not an Austin challenge. This is a nationwide challenge. Mm-hmm. There is a Nobody denies there's a housing crisis and a housing shortage. And so um, I hope this code streamlines our process. 
increases our housing supply. It's um, um, all, it all types of houses for all kinds of people in all parts of town. And for a long time, uh, the development has been pushed east and now going southeast. And uh, Central and West Austin really do, um, from an equity standpoint, need to, the, you know, there's many parts of Central and West Austin, they're closer to grocery stores, they're closer to good schools, they're closer to, to beautiful parks. and. Uh, and in many, and you know that that's those are what are considered our high opportunity areas, and mm -hmm. we need to to have a code that helps more families live live in those areas and be close to those grocery stores because we can't keep pushing people out to the outskirts where there are no grocery stores where. Well, food um, deserts. And yeah, that's, a big, that was, yeah. that's one of the you've been one of your cornerstone issues. I think from the onset of your your time in the dais. Absolutely, and and we're seeing the effects of families having to move further out and not have uh, fire stations, you know, and things like that. So I hope this code gets us, um, gets us moving in, in, a, in a better direction and more sustainable growth. So, so we, get, we get to the code in timely fashion, get this done this time next year. <laughs> It'll be by May, you know, May 2020 or so. I'm like, yeah. that's just a speculation. I have no idea that's true or not. Yeah. But we get to the LDC and, you know, you have, you have a young daughter. What uh -huh. kind of Austin, where are the challenges and opportunities you see for the, like, uh, to develop the kind of Boston you'd want to have, you know, at when she's 20 or 30? Yeah. Um, you know, I've been asked that question before. People will say, well, what, you know, and and I, I have to be totally honest. My daughter's going to be fine. Yeah. You know, like she's, I'm grateful um, uh, that, that we're in a position where she's going to be fine. I'm more worried about... Uh, families who like I would if I had moved to Austin today I could not afford to buy in the job that I had mm -hmm. I could not afford to buy a home um, and that is affecting a lot of families it's referring, it's, yeah. yeah it's more about like it's similarly yeah I'm, I'm good yeah, it's more my fam my parents, my family were good it's yeah more, I think talk, it's more about the communities overall yeah. because at least in the black community since I you know we came here moved here when I was a kid in 91 uh -huh. 8 and I think the black population is like 13% or so, and then it's just progressively decreased. decreased. Yeah. I mean, in, in the metro, it's how you go, Pflugerville has like 19% of the city is mm -hmm. black now. Mm -hmm. But I was like, that's a, you know, that was, that was the shocker, but the city itself, yeah. the, city, the, the city limits-wise, was like yeah. not 8% of that. Yeah. Like, and so for me, the worry is more about, I guess, more the, the broader Hispanic community in Austin, particularly yeah. East Austin, which has been has been kind of the, the seat, right, of mm -hmm. the, the anchors of, those, of both of our communities. Yeah. Well, the demographics, um, it, it's a very different situation, unfortunately, for the African-American community and the Latinx because the demographics of our schools are, the Latinos are the majority mm -hmm. in, all our, in all of AISD. And so, uh, and the demographic, demographics have shown for, for a while now that Latinos will be the majority in Texas. Mm -hmm. um, and so, but I, what, you know, I guess, going back to your question, less of, I guess I was, thinking about it another way, but you know, I want my daughter to grow up in a city where uh, it is diverse. Um, it is, uh, there's people, all kinds of people, all levels of income, you know, studies show that if a lower income family lives in in a in an area that has, it's funny. I, t I told you I know pictures and she's Whoa, that's your Oh, hey, Catherine, that's your staff. I'm in my running gear for those that are listening. Um, We're recording at 8 o'clock in the morning, so you're forgiven. No one's... Um, uh, I, you know, I, I was going to say a study showed that when lower income families are around, you know, higher income families, they're more likely to go up the, the economic, socioeconomic ladder quicker 
And so I want her to be surrounded by a diversity of people, a, a diversity of thought, um, obviously a progressive thought. <laughs> but, but, you know, I hope she grows up. You know, things are just so polarized right now. Um, and I hope she grows up in a city where there's um, inclusion and people are accepted. And, and, um, and, and I think that if, if we keep this current land code, we're moving in a direction where we will be a very white city and a very wealthy city. And that's, that's not the city. Like that, San Francisco. That, yeah, exactly, yeah, exactly, exactly. And that's not, um, that's not good for any city. No, I don't think so. Uh, lastly, what are way, or how can constituents of the community uh, engage with your office? Sure. Uh, so I, I read my email. Um, I, I think you. people, people, that's often a surprise for people. I might not reply to every email, but um, uh, you know, you Delia.garza at AustinTexas.gov. Uh, our phone number is 512-978-2102. I do not answer that phone. <laughs> my, my staff does. but. Um, you can reach out to me. You can reach out to my chief of staff. Catherine's here, um, and and you know I I I'll prioritize constituents mm -hmm. of District Two. Obviously, as mayor pro tem now, maybe technically the entire city is is my is a constituent. But I was elected by the by District Two, and I prioritize taking meetings with them. Um, and um, I'm happy to go out and meet people and happy to go out and have coffees in the community if it's if it's easier than coming to City Hall I know that City Hall is is not um, is not as easy sometimes but especially specifically about land development codes I'm happy to sit down with constituents and talk about what's proposed now and and what we're trying to do to to make sure that that there are as little or no, obviously the dream is to have no negative effects of, of a change, but um, I'm happy to sit down with them and talk to them about any issues. Great, we'll put your contact information uh, in the show notes. And okay. Mayor Pro Tem Delia Garza, thank you for your time. Thank you. Hi, this is AJ. We want to again thank our sponsor, Regents Financial Corporation. With branches serving Central Texas from Austin to San Antonio and the Rio Grande Valley, Regents can help your firm with its M&A and investment banking needs, as well as specialty finance, the technology, healthcare, defense, and aerospace sectors. Learn more about Regents in the episode notes. Thank you for listening to today's BG Podcast. You can find this episode and prior recordings at www.binghamgp.com podcast and iTunes and Google Play. Subscribe to stay current on future posts.